Welcome to the LFC Podcast, where our mission is to make, deploy, and multiply mature and equipped Christ followers. We're grateful for this opportunity to bring you a message of hope, healing, and life transformation today. Enjoy the message. So we have been in this series the past couple weeks called Mind Games. And can I tell you, the enemy is a master at the mind game. How many, how many can testify to that? He is the master of the mind game. And two weeks ago, we, we talked about a character in the Bible, uh, the very first king of Israel by the name of King Saul. He, he, he lost his marbles, right? Because he was disobedient to God. Last week, we talked about a prophet of God by the name of Elijah. One minute, he's calling fire down from heaven and then a gripey old lady sent him a bad text message, right? Come on, you can laugh with that. Sent him a bad text message and now his entire world is upside down and he's running for his life. He was stuck in the mind game. Well, today we're going to look at another character of the Bible and you would say, why are we looking at him? But it, the story is so absolutely incredible and it applies to us today. His name is King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, though, he was not a king of Israel. He was not a king of Judah. He didn't love God. As a matter of fact, he was a brutal, brutal dictator king. And he, as a matter of fact, he was the second. His father was King Nebuchadnezzar the first. He was the second. And he actually ruled in Babylon for 43 years. This is the same king that kidnapped the best and the brightest children and the young adults from the kingdom of Israel and Judah. He's the one that kidnapped them and took them. Pastor Lori spoke about that a couple weeks ago, right? This is the same cat that did this. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, he had, he had this brilliant idea that he could get more cooperation from the people that he conquered if he just let them keep and worship their own gods. Brilliant idea, right? Give them a little hope on the side, it's all good. Well, what he did is he, he took their land, he robbed their riches, he controlled their lives, but their idols he allowed them to keep and to worship. And sometimes he even's like, you know what? I like that one. I'm gonna pick that one up for myself. I'm gonna put that in my arsenal of gods that I am going to worship. Sometimes he worshiped himself. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's plan worked really, really well until he conquered a little bitty nation that was called Judah. And it was there that he met a God who actually demanded exclusive worship. Not just his share among any other gods, here's my part, but he demanded worship. This, this new God was different. This God dared to tell King Nebuchadnezzar that, hey, listen, I made you all that you are. 
dared to tell him that. And you see, one of the greatest conquerors in history, one of the most brutal conquerors in history, King Nebuchadnezzar, was himself actually conquered by his creator. (laughs) The Bible allows us to see several different ways in which God worked in, um, can we just call him Nebi? King Nebi, right? That's a uh, biblical term from Veggie Tales. King Nebi. God, God gave Nebi victories. Gave him victories, but really all he was doing was accomplishing God's will. <laughs> he thought it was him. Hey, check me out. But it was really, he was accomplishing God's will. And God actually allowed him to deport the, 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 the best and the brightest Jewish leaders uh, as his palace servants. And he placed this one guy, a young man close to him, by the name of Daniel. And actually, Daniel was set up by God to actually change King Nebuchadnezzar's life. This is what I like to call a holy setup. Have you ever been set up by God? You didn't see it happen. You didn't understand everything that was going on and maybe you didn't like what was going on, but in the end, God just worked it all out. It's called a holy setup. In other words, where I would have my hands, if I could get my hands in on it, I think I'm doing the right thing, but really I'm gonna mess it up. How many, you get your hands involved and you just mess everything up, right? Well, the more he got his hands in it, the more God was saying, "Mm, I knew you were gonna do that. Mm, I know, I knew you were gonna do that before you did that. Mm, I'm the one that actually gave you the idea that you think it's you, but I'm the one that did that. It's a holy setup and Daniel was right there by his side. And God actually allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to attempt, everybody say attempt. In other words, it failed. He attempted to kill three of God's servants, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God, what he did is he actually showed him, hey, listen, King Nebi, you really don't have the power and the authority over life and of death. Just because you're the king doesn't mean that you're in control of everything. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't used to the gods telling him what to do because really he was setting himself up as Lord of all. (laughs) Well, he got mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because they didn't bow down to the statue that he made. Here's what's interesting. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a statue, right? He had a dream of a statue and he, this is how brutal that he was, arrogant and angry. He wanted all of the astrologers, all of the seers who did not serve God. Not only do I want you to interpret the dream that I had, I want you to tell me what the dream was. Well, when they couldn't do it, he's like, all right, we're gonna kill all of you right now. Because you can't do this, I'm gonna 
kill you. That's how brutal this guy was. So God gave him a dream. Daniel came in. He didn't know what the dream was. God told him what the dream was and gave him the interpretation of the dream. And now Daniel is set up, right? He's set up. He, King Nebuchadnezzar knows that God Almighty is with Daniel. Well, a couple years later, he reacts to this dream that he had back here. And now he builds this tower that everyone is supposed to bow to. He gets mad at these three guys that won't worship. Everybody else is worshiping because they're scared for their ever living lives, right? You're gonna die if you don't worship what I set up. He gets mad. He goes into his temper tantrum. How many have met an adult person that goes into temper tantrums and acts like a little child and they need to be taken to the woodshed? These only guys don't even know what a woodshed is, Right? How many know what a woodshed is? Uh Uh-huh, I know what it is and I never wanna go back there again, right? So he lights a a campfire and he heats it up and he said, throw these guys in the fire. He was so mad and it was so urgent. It was seven times, I believe, seven times hotter. His, His guards go to take him in and it's so hot that they die when they throw these three guys in. He attempts to kill them. Well, all of a sudden, God comes in on the scene and now there wasn't three men in the fire. There was a fourth. This was the very moment that King Nebuchadnezzar saw God walking around the fire. He saw and he found out who God really was, the fourth man in the fire. God is trying, just like the song that we sang, oh, the reckless love of God. Why would God even do that? Can I tell you, why, we, we question, why would God want to rescue a brutal king that should be destroyed himself, right? Why in the world would he do that? Because God loves people. God loves people, and guess what? God loves you. God loves you, and he will chase you down, and he will give you the holy setup in your life. Some of us, we just continue to run. We continue to fight. We continue to resist. But God's relentless pursuit of us chases us down. I call it a holy mugging. We get get mugged by the Holy Spirit and we hopefully one day we will come to our senses and acknowledge that he is Lord of all. Well, after this, now Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, now, if, if, if you don't serve their God, now you're gonna die. I mean, he's just overreacting. He just, uh, let's just kill everybody if you don't do what I say. Well, sometime later, God's still trying to get a hold of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he gives him another dream. Here's another, remember, this is the king of Babylon, knows nothing about God, but now God's trying to get a hold of his heart. And he has this dream of a, of a tree and it was an enormous tree. The Bible describes it that, that the tree is so big that you can see this tree from the ends of the earth. And there were, there were tons of leaves, there were tons of fruit on this tree and there are animals that found shelter under this tree. It, in other words, this tra- tree was the place to be, right? This, this tree, you wanted to be under this tree and all of a sudden a voice from heaven comes down in this dream and says, cut it down, grab your chainsaw and cut it down. There weren't any chainsaws back then. Did you know that, right, right? Some of you needed to realize that. There were no chainsaws. They had to cut this tree down. 
The, the Bible, the voice from heaven says, cut it down, cut off the branches, strip off the leaves, scatter the fruit, and let the stump just remain in the ground. The Bible describes that the mind of this tree will be changed to that of an animal until seven times pass by so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth. Well, how many know there's a difference between uh, I had too much pepperoni pizza and I had a weird dream and this is a spiritual dream that God has given me and I gotta pay attention to that, right? God gives me this dream, I have to pay attention. Well, he was troubled. He was troubled, why? Because King Nebuchadnezzar had enough of God in him to be miserable in what he was doing. He was brutal, he was power hungry and he was filled with pride and he was miserable in what he's doing. So what did he do? He called again Daniel. Daniel was the dream guy. That's where the song came in. Dream. That's where the song came from. You guys. You really believe me on these things, don't you? <laughs> well, in Daniel chapter four, we see Daniel's interpretation of this. And he's like, King, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you what this dream is about. And he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Just give me what you got. And he said this, King, remember this guy's brutal. You're the tree. You're, you're, you're the tree. And you're gonna be driven away from people and you're gonna live with the wild animals. You're gonna eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with you means that your kingdom is going to be restored to you, but only when you acknowledge that heaven rules. And Daniel, all of a sudden after this, Daniel is like he pleased with him. Have you ever pleaded with someone? Please, for the love of all that's pure and holy, stop doing what you're doing. For, please, I beg you, stop doing this. Stop, stop living like this or you're gonna kill yourself. Has anyone ever, you, you, you've had that, you've, you've, you've begged, you've, you've pleaded. Some of you parents in this room, some of you grandparents in this room, you've been begging and pleading with your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and your nephews and you've been praying fervently for them and you try to pour into them wisdom, but they're not hearing you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You begged, you pleaded, you've cried so many tears that you can't cry anymore you know what I'm talking about, come on, wave at me right now. You know what I'm talking about. Well, Daniel, please with him. He said, your majesty, please, please accept my advice. Renounce your sins by what is doing, by doing what's right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. And it may be that your prosperity will continue. He begged with them, change your ways. This is a warning from God. But here's the question that I have just real quick. Why in the world would, would Daniel, one of these, he was a prisoner. We, he was one that was, 
taken captive and drug away from his home, drug away from his family, drug away from the, 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 the presence of God where the tabernacle, why in the world would he even give two hoots? I don't even know what that means, but why would he even care? Why would he even care? Let the kingdom be destroyed so we can go back to Israel. Why would he even care? Because I'll tell you why. Because Daniel had forgiveness in his heart. Daniel had forgiven this new king and he had gotten rid of his pride. And he's like, you know what? I may not like with a position that I'm at. I may not like being in captivity. I may not like being away from my home, but God, I am determined that I'm gonna ground myself where you have me at this moment and I'm gonna flourish right where I'm at, right even if it's in the middle of the enemy's camp, I'm gonna flourish because you are with me. And the reason why Daniel served under four different kings was because he thought like that. He didn't play the mind game. Well, Daniel chapter four, the Bible says all of this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the palace of Babylon, he's looking over, he's looking down upon his kingdom. He said this, it came right out of his mouth. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Look at me. Take a look at me now. What was causing Nebuchadnezzar in just a few seconds to be hit by a mind game? Pride. You see, pride is a mind game. Pride says, look at, look at me. Look at, look at what I have done. Look, look at how good I am. Look at how much I gave in the offering. Look at how much I serve at the church. Here's one for you. Look at how I resisted the devil all by myself. Look at how I have overcome my addiction. <laughs> Well, there's a guy by the name of William Barclay. Powerful, powerful quote. And I hope the light bulb comes on for you as much as it did for me. And he says this, pride is the ground from which all other sins grow and the parent from which all other sins come. Pride, pride. What kicked Lucifer out of heaven? Pride, pride. What was he trying to do when Jesus had fasted and he was in the wilderness and the devil met him? What was he presenting him with? Pride, if you'll just bow to me now. It was all pride. Daniel chapter four gives a little bit more description about what happened. Remember, he's on his roof and he's looking down. And it says this, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people 
and will be living with wild animals. You're gonna eat grass like an ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. A voice comes from heaven. Here is another supernatural miracle trying to convince him that God is a Lord over all. What was God saying to him? Listen, it's gonna take seven times for this mind game of pride to be broken off of you. Some scholars think that this seven times will mean seven different, seven different seasons, seven different rainy seasons, which would accumulate to about three and a half years. Other scholars believe that it actually took seven years, seven years for this to happen. But here's what I want you to understand. Time after time, dream after dream, intervention after intervention, God was trying to get his attention, but he was so full of pride and arrogance. Look what I have done. Look at how much money I got in the bank. Look at how much I've climbed in the ranks at my job. Look at what I've done in my family. Look at what I've done for my family. Look at what I've done for my brothers and my sisters. Do you see it? He's raising himself up. Look at what I have done instead of acknowledging that God was Lord over everything. And God said, there's so much pride and arrogance within you that it's going to take seven times, seven seasons, it, it maybe even taking seven years to drive this pride and break this pride off of your life. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I'm talking face to face with God and he's revealing to me sin in my heart, I'm gonna drop to my knees right there and let, Lord, let's let it be seven seconds, not seven times. I think I just hurt my back right then. No, I'm serious. Oh, Lord, have mercy. All right, where's my chiropractor? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Woo! Love, hate. All right, all right, here we go. Never get old, my friends. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But I, I don't know about you, but I... I Let's, let's do it right now. Let's, let's repent right now. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me for my pride. But the Bible says there's so much in you. It's gonna take seven times for you to do it. For you to do it. God is saying, listen, there's so much rolling around in you and so much resistance in you, but I love you so much that I'm gonna break you. And we don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. We like to see God that I'm just gonna work it out right now. I'm just gonna work it out right now. Lord, do it for me right now. But at the end of the day, it took him seven times, possibly even seven years to get it right with God. Well, Daniel chapter four, verse 33, it says, immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people, and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers and the 
of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Friends, he lost his ever-living mind. He went insane for a season. God was bringing him down low so he could actually lift him up again. Some of us, listen, some of us have got to be knocked off of our high horse so that God can truly be glorified. If you're with me, say amen. So quickly today, quickly today, what is going to break the mind game of pride? What's gonna break it? And can I tell you, it's, it's the words of Nebuchadnezzar himself. Number one is this, you're gonna have to lift your eyes to heaven. You're gonna have to lift your eyes to heaven. Daniel chapter four, verse 34a, it's the beginning portion of that. It says this, at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. You see, this was more than just a glance of his eyes going, Oh, look at that up there. This, this was more than him just looking up. This was actually a sign of surrender because when all of this began, he was high and lifted up, looking over and looking down upon his kingdom of Babylon, declaring, look what I have done. But God broke him. God got him to the place to where his heart was finally softened. And now he can look up to his redeemer because God's getting ready to restore him. God's bringing him back to his right mind. God is really in this place to where he's going to restore everything that was taken away from him. Why? So he could be brutal again? No, so that he would lead his people to God himself. You see, if you're gonna break the mind game of pride in your life, you're gonna have to lift your eyes up to heaven. Psalm 121, one and two says this, I will lift up my eyes to the hills where does my help come from? My help, you're acknowledging it, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You see, when you do that, you're walking in humility. You're acknowledging that Jesus Christ, you're acknowledging that God is Lord over all. And when you do that, it kicks pride right in the face. Drops kick, drop kicks it right there. Well, what else will break the mind Game of pride. What else will do it? Number two, repenting of your sins. Repenting of your sins. You remember what Daniel did? Daniel begged and pleaded him. Look at what he, look at what he told him to do. This is my advice for you. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that prosperity, your prosperity will continue. You see, Repentance is just more than just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is more than just fessing up. Oops, I did it again. You know what? I'm gonna do that again a little bit later on. So can I just go ahead and say, I'm sorry for what I'm gonna do a little bit later? I know that it's wrong, and I know that you told me not to do it. So can I just get a free pass of repentance right now because I am gonna do that over there. You see, it's more than just saying I did it. I'm telling on myself, I'm gonna do it again, but 
Huh. Repentance is more. Repentance, it's, it's a turning away and trying your best never to go back by the power of the Holy Spirit. But pride does, pride, the pride game doesn't want us to repent. It doesn't, pride keeps us stubborn and silent, but we have got to break free from that in Jesus' mighty name. Repent and turn from your wicked ways. See, the devil is sly because he knows his end game is to steal, kill, and destroy you and destroy me. And if he can keep us with our mouth closed that we won't repent, how can there ever be forgiveness if there's never repentance? Come on, someone talk to me here. Come on, 10 a.m. How can there be forgiveness if there's never repentance? Acts chapter three says it like this. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that the, he may send the Christ appointed for you who is Jesus. Repent, repent, confess your sins. Talk about it and turn away from it. Don't go back to it again. Amen? Well, what else will break the mind game of pride? Ha, this is King Nebuchadnezzar saying this right here. What's gonna break the, the mind game of pride? Simply praising God. Praising God. Look at Daniel chapter 34, verse B. Second portion of that passage of scripture. He says this, then after he received his sanity, then I praised the most high. I honored and I glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal kingdom. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. That's the king who's declaring praises unto himself. But after he, that, that garbage of pride was broken off to him, now he's able to lift up his voice and declare that God is Lord over all. See, that's what the enemy does though. He wants you to keep your mouth shut. And what I found in our churches today, that many people come into the house of the Lord, but they never open up their mouths with praise. They're content with letting other people's worship hit the atmosphere, but they themselves, they feel better, but they never get true victory because they aren't willing to kick pride in the face and glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So what they do is they maintain their regrets instead of holding on to their victory. <laughs> you see, this is where someone's got to stand to their feet and begin to declare, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy, holy name, amen? Well, in Philippians chapter four, the word of God says this, rejoice in the Lord always, that's praise right there. And then he says this, I'm gonna say again, Rejoice, clearly he pastored a church that he has to say something twice to get their attention. Surely not, how rude. Rejoice in the Lord always. I must say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. 
Listen, we're so concerned about our children being good around Christmas time, they're more concerned because Santa Claus is watching rather than we are God is watching over us. Come on now. Don't be anxious about anything. That rolls off the tongue real easy. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you do this, look at this. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, break you out of the mind game of pride that the devil is trying his best to keep you stuck in. Now look at what happened. Let's bring this down. Daniel chapter four, verse 37. This is Nebuchadnezzar talking. The pagan brutal king. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Friends, this is before Jesus. This is before Jesus. This is before the son of God came. This is before God sent his one and only son. This is before it all because everything he does is right and all of his ways are just. And here's the guy that was full of pride. Look what he says. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. What's he saying? God loves you so much that he'll break you so that you'll come to right relationship with him. He doesn't want you stuck in the mind game. And how can you partner with God to do that? Lift your eyes to heaven. Repent of your sins and start praising God. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the message. If you desire to grow deeper in your faith, we want to help you. Text the word GROW to 419-495-6802. You can also stay up to date on everything coming up by checking out limafirst.church and hitting the events tab. Lastly, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future LFC content. We'll see you next time.